I'm gonna move those out of the way so I got a really loud voice. But I'm thankful you guys are here. It's gonna be a good day. It's already been an exciting day, right? Baptisms into this awesome time of worship. And there's a few times in my life where I've experienced this like just euphoric experience during worship where I don't even need to sing, but I just feel this peace overwhelm me. And like I said, there's a few times that's happened. But today I'll be the father who did that because you got something big he wants to say. So I was standing there and I was just like at complete peace. Like Buddhists call it nirvana. I've experienced nirvana. Like I just experienced the completeness of the father. And it's so good. When we worship, we sing those words. And here, here's the deal. Don't just sing the words, but experience them. Like you're experiencing God during that time. Literally singing out his praises. It's like if you have a significant other, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you're talking to them, and you're looking them in the eyes, and you're saying these sweet things to them, right? That's exactly what's happening when you worship. You're looking at your father, and you're whispering sweet nothings. Right? Like you're reciting to Jesus Christ, Father God, and Holy Spirit that you just want to behold Him. That you love Him. That you desire Him. That you want to experience Him. Man, that gets me so excited. That gets me so pumped. So I'm thankful you guys are here. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Ricky. I'm the pastor. Not a very good one, but I'm going to do the best that I can. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not a good speaker. Not very good. Can't do this alone. I promise you, if it's just me up here talking, we're going to go in circles for about three and a half hours. So I need the Holy Spirit so I can get you out of here in about 25 minutes. But not just getting out of here for a lunch, but having you have something impactful happen to your heart in those 25 minutes. So let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are the Lord of Lords. Father God, that people have these false gods, these false idols that they lay claim to, that they try to worship. But Father God, they are nothing. They are tuna compared to the caviar, Father God, because you are so good. Lord God, shake our hearts this morning. Father God, help us to not just hear about you, but to experience you. Lord God, you didn't die on the cross so that we could talk about you. You died for us so that we could live about you. Father God, you didn't die so we had rules and regulations to follow. No, Father God, you died so we could have a relationship with the one and true God. You speaking through us through your word. Lord God, I am imperfect, and I am not worthy to bring the power that is contained in the Bible. So, Father God, right now, I pray that I would be nothing more than an amplifier, than a microphone, to make your voice louder. Make me less, Lord God, and make you more. Allow your spirit to speak, Father God. Allow your spirit to move, Father God. Allow your spirit to transform hearts, Father God. Lord God, let me love you and let me love other people as I proclaim your word. And remember your promise that your word never comes back void. So Father God, transform today. Father God, move today. Father God, let your presence be on this place in such a way that it never has been before. But Father God, when we leave here, let people come near here and they say this place feels different. Father God, just because your presence is so good. 
just because your son is so good. Move. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, I got a story I got to tell you guys. So, I went to Nashville this week, and I'm kind of, I love Nashville because they have a lot of good coffee. And they have this one place called the Frothy Monkey. And literally, weeks before I go there, I am talking about the Frothy Monkey. Like, weeks. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm getting ready to go in three days. It's like, I'm getting ready to go in like six weeks. And I'm beyond excited to experience this coffee, right? Like, I'm so pumped about it. So I went to go meet with a pastor, and it was amazing. But I rented an Airbnb, and they tricked me. They tricked me real good. So there was four of us, and we were all guys. And one, my wife wasn't there. It was just me, Tyler, Corey, and my brother-in-law, Austin. And we go to Nashville, and we get there, and we walk into this Airbnb. And I'm like, look at this house. It's so big, and it was just the apartment on the back of the house. So we walk in, and there's a kitchen. There's a closet that is now a bathroom. And there's this one room. There's no bed. There is a day bed, which I guess you can consider a bed if you're 14. And then underneath it is this thing that pulls out. Now, when I was reading the description, it said there was two beds. That was a lie. Because they counted this one day bed as two beds. So guess what? There's four guys, one room. Where are we all going to sleep? In the day bed. <laughs> There's no other options. And I don't have too big of a problem with it, but the other guys are like, oh my gosh. You're kidding me. I'm not sleeping with Corey. I was like, I'm not sleeping with Corey either. He's an idiot. And like, I was like, this is not going to work out well. So we get it all situated. We find enough pillows. We find enough blankets. We go to sleep. My sleep mate gets too hot because my body is about a thousand degrees when I lay down. So he leaves. So I'm like, okay, this is not too bad. I have my own bed once again. Praise the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And uh, Corey and Tyler are literally sleeping next to me. So it's still like I'm sleeping with somebody. So they're just there. And by the second night, I was like, oh, my gosh. I want to be in my bed because this is not good. Corey smells weird. Tyler smells weird. Like, I'm, I'm tired of their smells that I got to deal with. They make all, he was waiting for a rap album to come out at midnight. <laughs> and we're already an hour behind. So I was already operating on Ohio time. Why in Nashville time? There was this whole thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm so happy that I only share a room with my wife who goes to bed. And so I was wanting home, right? I was wanting to be in my own bed. I desired my own bed. Have you guys ever just wanted to be somewhere or wanted to have something like so badly that like overcomes you? Right? Like that happens to me with the frothy monkey. I drank an unhealthy amount of coffee in two days, like 60 ounces One day I didn't eat any meals except for one because I just drank so much coffee. It was doing weird stuff to my body, like for real. Like I drank that much coffee. But I desired it. I wanted it. There was nothing that was going to stop me from getting that coffee. I got up at 5.30 the first day to go get that coffee because I needed it, right? Like my my soul wanted that coffee. My body wanted that coffee. And I was going to do anything I had to do, including sleeping in one room with four other guys, four other adult men. I was going to make it happen. See, we all have something like that that we just want, right? It's like if you know it's your birthday and your grandma or your mom or somebody makes this amazing cake, you're like, I know that's only my half birthday, but let me tell you about this cake I'm about to get in six months. Let me tell you about this cake. And they're like, oh, it's six months away. And you're like, no. 
Let me tell you about this cake that I'm about to experience. Let me tell you how good it's going to be. Let me, let me explain it to you. Let me tell you how it warms my palate. It warms my heart. That was Tyler waiting for this stupid rapper guy. Chance or something. I don't know. There's a chance it's going to come out. It was true. He made him wait till the next day. It was hilarious. He stayed up for no reason. So, that's why his name is Chance. There's always just a chance. There's only a small chance that he's good. But anyways, so, Tyler was desiring that album, right? Like, he's been waiting forever. He's been waiting. He's been desiring it. He's been wanting it. He stayed up extra late for it to come out, and then he tricked him. But, like, he wants those lyrics in his ears that refresh his heart, that refresh his soul, right? Like, he wants that. He desired that. And you have things in your life that you desire. Like, when you go on vacation, and let's say you're a big gym person, and you're like, man, I can't wait to get home and start eating clean again and going to the gym. Or like, I forgot my phone at home. I can't wait to see how many people text me. Or you don't have a car. Have you ever been without a car and it's in the shop? You're like, I cannot wait to have my car back. We're sharing one car. We're a family of 17. This is just destroying me. Like, I want my car. If you've ever been waiting on a test grade that you have to have because if you get a bad grade, you are going to fail the class. You're just always waiting, like checking your email like on constant. You're like, okay, refresh, 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 refresh. Waiting for it. You're desiring it. You want to know. You want to experience that. And we all have that in our lives. There's something that we want to experience so badly or that we desire so much. It's like in Psalm 42, it says this, As a deer pants for streams of water. As a deer pants for streams of water. This was written in Israel. So imagine a deer in the desert where there's a short supply of water. And as this deer is going around, thirsty, dehydrated, desiring the water on his lips, the thing that will keep him alive, as he pants for that. As he desires it, as he dreams about it. That's the imagery that is being used here. As David then says, So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When's the last time your soul panted like a deer for water for God? When's the last time you woke up in the morning and you were just like, I need God. Like I needed the frothy monkey. That's what it's called, by the way. And I'm not ashamed. When's the last time your soul panted for God? Like it pants for the gym. When's the last time your soul panted for God? Like it pants for your car. When's the last time that God was the soul desired of who we were? When's the last time you craved it in such a way that there was nothing that could fill it? And you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm not really sure. Well, your soul is always craving it. You just fill it with other things like the frothy monkey. And I didn't want to sleep before, guys, but I guess I fulfilled it with that. Like having to do that. I desired something else. That's what I got. Or stinky, guys. I just don't know how this works. 
suffering. Sierra, you got a problem. If you're getting married to that dude, buy him some deodorant, buy him some soap. <laughs> <laughs> Hook him up. Now, I love you, Corey. You didn't smell bad. He's leaving now. That's why he didn't leave worship today, because I was so sick of him. No, I'm just kidding. But our soul desires things. Our soul pants for things. But we fill it with the falseness. We fill it with the tuna when we really want caviar. Y'all feel me? Caviar is expensive. I would never eat it, but that's what rich people like, I guess. So it's like, you take tuna over caviar. Nobody does that. Because it's the lesser. I've been told I worship trees. Or I worship Buddha. And I look at them and I'm like, man, you worship the created instead of the creator. And all you're getting is a small portion of what you could have had. It's like, I'm going to write you a check for a million dollars. You're like, no, I'm good with 50. Okay, weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we do, though. We accept the small portion of what we could have because we don't always believe that we're good enough for the full payment. When's the last time your soul panted for God as a deer pants for water? Let's read the rest of this psalm, and I'm going to break it down just a little bit more. It says, and starting in verse 3, it's Psalm 42, starting in verse 3. It says, my, when I come and meet with God, my tears have been my food. Day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession of the house of God, as I used to lead worship, with shouts of joy and thanksgivings among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from the Mount of Mizar. Deep calls to deep. And the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. All my foes taunt me, saying to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Then we're going to go into, verse, into uh, chapter 43 where it says, Vindicate me, O God, and please my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from the deceitful wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where I dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O my God. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now y'all are like, whoa. That was depressing. He literally said, my tears have been my food. The only thing I've had is my tears as my food. Like, can you imagine eating tears? Have you ever tasted tears? They're super salty. 
Right? Like, you don't want to be like, oh, a cup of tears. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not what you want. My bones are in mortal agony. What? Have you ever had bone pain? Like, someone ever kicked you in the shin? You just fall down for, like, the next 30 minutes. You're like, oh. 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 Right? Like, you're like, oh, gosh. Or you stubbed your toe at nighttime. You're saying some words that are not worthy of ears. Right? Like it is pain. That's what David's saying happened to him. But constantly. He's constantly experiencing this agonist pain. This brokenness. Now, most scholars believe that David wrote this psalm sometimes when he was being chased by this king named Saul. Now, David was anointed by God to take the place of King Saul. King Saul didn't like that. So he was like, you know how I can get out of this? Kill him. Right? I'm just going to take him out. So he takes his entire army to chase one dude. And he never catches him. Because God is good. So he desires to chase him. He's looking for him. And one time, Saul is in a cave. And he's relieving himself. And David comes up behind him and is like, I could just kill this dude. But David's like, no, nah, that's not what God wants. So he cuts off a piece of his rope. And then he nails it to him. He's like, hey, remember that time you were peeing in the cave? I was there. I could have killed you. But I chose not to. Saul continues to pursue him. David continues to be in this spot where he just feels broken and he feels hurt. He feels like he just wants to be with God. His soul is downcast. Remember, we're in this series called Summer for Your Soul because we're showing you how to give your soul a refresh. Because our soul is separate than our body and our soul is separate than our mind. But we need to bring these together in harmony. David is talking to his soul. He says, why are you downcast? And the soul's probably like, well, have you seen everything going on? Our bones are in mortal agony. That's a pretty tough word, David. Like our bones are in mortal agony. All we've eaten in six days is your tears. And he says, but God is good. He says, but God is good. He says, I desire to be back in Israel, worshiping him, leading worship with the congregation, playing the harp to him to let him know of his goodness. Even when I'm in this turmoil situation, this situation where it feels like there's nothing else, I still, my soul just wants to praise and worship God. I'm stuck here. My body is stuck here. I feel like there's no way out, but my soul just wants to refresh by worshiping God. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like there's no way out? Where you feel like there's nothing good that could come out of it? Where you feel like you're stuck and where you feel like God has gone from you and you're no longer with Him, but now you're all alone. That nobody can save you from the situation that you are stuck in. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you have a parent who's been sick. And you feel like you have no power over the situation. Or maybe you have a daughter or a son and you've desired for them to do something awesome, but they just keep falling into the same old path. Or maybe it's yourself and you feel like you can't keep a job. And you feel like your job is the worst place in the world and that everybody hates you. And you feel like it's just torture to be there. Or maybe your life is just so bad when you come home because you don't have anybody else there. 
and you feel like you're constantly alone. You feel like you might even be married and you just feel like there's this other person, but they have nothing to do with you, that it's you against the world and that you just feel completely and totally lost. You feel like there's no way out. You feel broken. You feel empty. And this is clicking with a lot of you, all of these examples. And I know, think about that situation that you were in. Think about how you felt. You felt lost. You felt abandoned. You felt that you had cried so much that your face, your body literally could produce no more tears. I've been there. I lost both my parents to drug overdoses. It was hard. I remember when I was, sit, I was sitting at church in 2017, January 29, 2017. I was sitting at church, and I was actually getting ready to leave my church and move down here to plant a church. And I got a call from a cop, and he said, hey, are you Ricky Wilson? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, something happened to your mom. I was like, what? And he's like, I can't tell you over the phone. What? What, 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 do, you, what do you mean you can't tell me over the phone? And he was like, well, you can guess. I was like, did my mom die? And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay. But in that moment, I felt defenseless. I felt broken. I felt like there was no way out. When I was 20 years old, I came home from work and I found my dad passed out on a bed. And I was like, okay, he's just sleeping. So I went over and shook him. He wanted to wake up. And I saw him. And it didn't look like he was there, so I started trying to do CPR, and it was defenseless. I had nobody else there with me. I felt like I was broken. I felt like there was no way I was doing CPR. I was trying to get him to wake up, and he didn't. And at that moment, I felt like there was no way out. I felt like my bones were in mortal agony. I felt like my mind was broken. I felt like there was no decision that I could ever make and there was nothing that would ever make it better again. But then I said, soul, why are you downcast within me? I said, Lord, what are you doing? And the father spoke to me in that moment and said, I got you. Now, did I cry? Yes. Was I in agony? Yes. But I know that there was still a purpose, even in what looks like has no purpose. I knew that there was still a purpose, even in what looked like was turmoil, even in what looked like was the end of everything. I still knew that there was a father who loved me and was taking me by the hand and guiding me, even if I was about to go through a desert. Even if I was about to go through a situation where my soul would pant for God. Where I feel like I was completely alone. Where I would question God. This father told me, I have you. And that's exactly what happened in those situations. And I know you're thinking, well, how, how did you cling to God? Well, because there was nobody else to cling to. I had my wife and I clung to her the best that I could. But when my dad died, she was three hours away. I could only cling to the father. And the truth is, even if my wife was there, she would not have made anything better. She would have made it more bearable. But she wouldn't have made it better because my soul didn't crave her. My soul craved the father. And I've had a lot of other situations like that. In my life where I felt like there was no way out. And so have you. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all about mine. 
Because you have the same situations where you feel like there's no way out and your soul is craving something. Maybe you lost somebody and you tried to fill it with alcohol. Maybe you're still trying to fill it with alcohol. Or maybe you lost somebody and you were like, well, drugs will fill this. Or maybe your wife or husband left you and like pornography can fill this. Pornography can make me feel better. Immorality can make me feel complete. So you keep filling the craving with the tuna instead of seeking the caviar. You keep trying to make it better. Let me tell you something. Something. The reason it never fills it is because it's not able to fill it. The reason you have to re-drink the next day when you got a hangover is just to make yourself feel a little bit better. The reason you get drunk and then the next day you come home from work and you're like, I just need to get drunk. The reason that happens is because you still got the same hole. You're just like putting some Play-Doh in it and then when you take a shower, just wash it away. I tried to fill it with everything. I was a drug dealer. I had money. Wouldn't fill it. I had women. Wouldn't fill it. I had cars. Wouldn't fill it. My soul was panting. My soul was craving something. And when I experienced what it truly was, it filled it. It filled it. And then God started to take me on a journey where I would never be the same. Where nine years later, right now, I'm sitting here and I'm like, who was that person? What did he like? So I'm rediscovering myself now because I don't know what I like, except for Jesus. And so I went on that journey, and I know you've been on that journey too. See, because the truth is, when bad situations happen, it's really hard to talk to God about them. I was listening to a pastor this week, and he said, we're all good about talking about God, but when do we ever talk to him about Right? Like, if you're going through one of those situations, and you're talking to somebody, and they're like, well, are you scared? That your mom is terminally ill? Or are you scared that your husband left you? Are you scared that your wife left you? Are you scared? Do you have fear about that? And we say something very churchy, like, the Bible says don't have fear. I know God's going to take care of me. I know it's all going to be good. He's going to use this situation. He's going to make everything better. Yeah, or you could be real about the situation and be like, yeah, it sucks. And I know God is going to do these things, but right now I don't know. Right now I'm just having faith. Right now I can't tell you the good things that I'm supposed to say because the church has told me to say. Right now I just have these bad things that I need to share with somebody else. That's what David was doing. David was like, God, my bones hurt. God, this situation sucks. God, you're supposed to be there. People coming up to me and be like, oh, where's your God? You're being chased by this dude. You're worshiping this God. Where's he at? After a while, someone continued that say, like, oh, my gosh. Where is he at? I'm stuck in the desert. Where is God? My mom is terminally ill. Where is God? My father is terminally ill. Where is God? My husband left me. Where is God? My wife left me. Where is God? I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to drugs. Where is God? People continually say that and you start to believe it. And you're sitting there trying to come up with these programmed answers that you have in your head. But it's all going to be okay. God's got it. It's all going to be okay. God's got it. Yeah, it's, he does have it. But you can be real. When's the last time you were real with God and you actually talked to him and you were like, oh God, Father God, please let your will be done. Father God, I know that my mom has died, but Father, please let your will be done. 
Father, let, let it happen. I, I trust you. How about you talk to God? God, this is awful. God, I don't understand this situation. I don't know why it stinks so bad. I don't know why this is happening. But Father, I still trust you. I'm not going to throw up these empty words to you that people have told me to say all my life. No, Father, I want to get real with you. Because when you're in a relationship with somebody, you get real with them, right? If they hurt your feelings, they're going to know about it. If you're going through something, you cry on their shoulder. You have a relationship with Jesus. Why do we not talk to Jesus with our real voices and our real emotions and our real feelings? Because we think he's going to get mad that we said we don't like the situation? Because we think it's going to hurt his feelings? No, it's not going to. Let me give you permission about that. You can tell God how crappy a situation is. You can tell God that you don't like what is happening. And he's not going to be like, oh man, I'm going to get my belt. You're in big trouble, boy. Like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. He's going to be like, well, let me show you. How's he, how's he going to show me? How's he going to reveal that to me? Well, John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the word of God. That the living word is contained within our hands. That Jesus is contained within our hands. That we can go to the Bible and God can show us. How the situation has a purpose. There's a dude named Job. Satan took his whole family from him. All of his houses, all of his storehouses, all of his servants, he took it all. And Job was left in a hole being yelled at by a bunch of other dudes. Oh, like, what'd you do wrong? You suck so bad. Like, you're so messed up. You just need to go to God. You've obviously done something wrong. And he's got boils all over his body. Could you imagine someone telling you, hey, you made God mad with sitting with boils all over your body? You'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm about to show you what these boils do. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be upset. You're going to be hurt. And Job was upset. And Job was hurt. And he was sitting there. But he still said, God is still good. He still said, I will not forsake the Lord. Even though I feel like it. Even though I don't understand his purpose. He's still good. You can read stories like that when you're going through turmoil. And know that it's not just poetry. And you can know that it's not just a soap opera. This happened. Real people, real history. That happened. That's how God will reassure you, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, the situation may be awful. You may feel like there's no way out. You may feel like there's nothing you can do. Well, just talk to me. Communicate with me. And when something else happens, if you have open communication with me, trust me. When it happens, you'll feel confident that I'm going to be there. You'll feel confident that I'm there with you. You'll feel confident that you have a relationship with me because we have grown tighter together. Because we have communicated. Because we have talked. See, some of you in here may be thinking, man, I don't have a relationship with God like that. Like, he's just a dude who's got a lightning bolt, and if I mess up, he's ready to get me. Or you may be thinking, well, God is just somebody that I go to church on Sundays and I worship, but throughout the week I do my own thing. Like, I'm filling my hole how I want. Or you think, well, God doesn't really love me. See, when's the last time you experienced God and didn't just have knowledge about God? When's the last time you made a mistake and you sinned and you really messed up and you didn't feel shame? See, because when you mess up, you shouldn't feel shame. Shame is a trick of Satan, saying that there is no grace. Conviction is a blessing from the Father, showing us that we have received grace and we have received mercy, but we need to move forward. 
See, when's the last time you experienced God and you just didn't have this head knowledge about God? Can I tell you something? Can I be real? This is a church where we experience God. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to show you how to do that. I want to be here for you and I want to walk with you. Because I know sometimes your bones are more like I know sometimes the only thing you've had is tears for food. I know sometimes you feel like there's no way out. Like you feel like you are broken, like you're stuck. Like there's nothing ever that could get you out of this situation. And it may be your bank account. Maybe you just ain't got no money. Maybe you're sitting there like, man, I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to have a family. Or I'm never going to have that car. I'm never going to have that job. See, sometimes the most important thing that you need when you've been talking to God and you've been being real with God is you need community around you to remind you, hey, God's got you. You don't have to have the fake answers. I'll, I'll tell you the real answers. You don't have to tell me that you're not scared because I know you're scared because there's a lot of uncertainty in your situation. But let me tell you, I know the Father's got a plan. Let me tell you, I know it's going to be okay. Let me tell you, I've been there and I've seen it and I've experienced it and I just want to walk with you. See, David prayed to worship God. His soul was craving to be back in Israel where he could worship the presence of the Father. And he could talk to the presence of the Father. And he could sing to the presence of the Father. And he could be there. See, it wasn't just that he wanted to praise the Father. Yes, that's the main thing. Our soul needs worship. Our soul needs church. But the bigger thing there was David needed community to remind him, to worship with him, to praise the Father with him. And you might ask, why is church important? Like, I can have a personal relationship with Jesus outside of church. I can talk to him. I can watch my sermons on the TV screen. I can listen to podcasts, and it's going to fill me up, right? Yeah, it might fill you up. Maybe it will. Yeah, maybe you will feel this small portion. Maybe you'll eat some tuna, but you could have some caviar. See, because a relationship with Jesus is based in community. Jesus rolled around with 12 dudes all the time, right? There's actually like 200 and something, but he had 12 guys who was real close to him. And he rolled with them. And he talked to them. And he taught them. See, church is not about coming to make you look good. Church is not about coming and worshiping because it's a requirement. Church is about getting to experience God through worship and through community. That's what church is about. See, that's panting for God. It's on Sunday morning being like, oh, my gosh. I got to worship God. Like, I got to worship God right now. Like, I've had a really bad week. I can't wait to worship God with all these people. I can't wait to praise Jesus with all these people. I can't wait to see what God has in store for me today. Like, I've had my personal relationship with Jesus all week, and it's been great. It's been amazing. I've been in the Word, and that's just filled me up. That's just made me happier. Now I'm ready to worship with my people. Now I'm ready to praise Jesus with people who are praising Jesus. Now I'm ready to be with people who can keep me accountable, who can remind me who God is, who can say, hey, is your soul downcast? Get up. See, church is a community. It's a family. We don't call, like, members. We don't call stakeholders or anything like that. We call you family. We call you family. We call you loved. Because when we come to church, we're experiencing God with our family. We're being reminded that God has us. We're being reminded that Jesus is real. We're being reminded that when we worship him, it brings a completeness and a position of power to our souls. See, because the truth is, if when you hit turmoil, you just feel like there's no way out, it's because your soul is tired. 
because your soul needs worship. It's because your soul is desiring something, but you're trying to feed it everything except for what it needs. It's like a dog, right? Like you give him table scraps, guess what? Your dog probably don't need table scraps. You probably need something that's designed for him. God was designed for our soul. Genesis. We were created in the image of God. That's some body things, but it's our soul. It's our soul. He took a piece of himself and put it within us. And that piece just wants to return home like we talked about last week. Our soul desires a father. Our soul desires a praise. Our soul desires to worship God. And God wants you to talk to him, not just about him. Have a personal conversation with God. Ask God what's why this is happening. Don't question him. Don't be like, man, I know you don't got a plan for this. Just be like, God, why is this happening? Show me. Show me. God, show me what you're going to do. I think praying your will be done is just sometimes for us to have an out. To be like, God, I don't really trust you to really help me out. Just let me pray you do what you want to do. I don't want to be disappointed if you don't answer. I don't want to be disappointed if it doesn't work out, so I'm scared to pray, God, do it. Jesus says the opposite. He says pray for the window to be opened, and guess what? It'll be opened. If you ask your father for bread, he will not give you a snake. Talk to God. Don't just talk about don't worry about Facebook and putting uh, perfect Bible verses up there to make it look like you're okay. Don't worry about coming to church and someone asking you how you're doing. But I'm doing great. If I was any more blessed, there'd be two of me. Like, don't worry about that. Come to church, and if you're having a crappy week, be like, man, this week has sucked. I just need to tell God how bad this week has been. Like, it's been awful. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to be like, man, that's, that's awful. Thankful that God is going to bring you out of that. Thankful that this week could be better. Thankful that, I'm, that you're here with me and I want to speak to you about this. I want to walk with you through it. Your mom's sick, but man, I want to be there right with you. Let me walk with you. Let me build you up. Let me, let me get coffee with you. I'll buy it. Let me walk through the word with you. Let me remind you how good you are. How much the Father loves you. That he sent his one and only son. He was like, okay, son, we, got one day. we can only do one thing right now. I was like, all we can do, I got to send you to die for them. I have to give a piece of me to the people who I created. Even though they were disobedient in sin, I need to send you to die for them. I know they've messed up. I know they've screwed up. I know they've made mistakes. I know that this is their fault, but I love them so much. They need completeness. Jesus, you're the one who will bring them completeness. So he sent him to earth to live a perfect life. And he got beaten. He got ridiculed. He got mocked. They said to him, hey, if you're really God, why don't you get up off that cross? Why don't you just come down from there? They ridiculed and they mocked him. And his bones were literally in agony as they drove the nails through them. And the only thing he had was the tears. He was so dehydrated, his tears ran out. And he stood there with his body being destroyed. And he said, Father, forgive them. They not know what they do. And before that, Jesus was real with God when he was sitting in the garden. And he was like, God, take this cup away from me. Take it away, God. But I'm going to do whatever you call me to do. Jesus was real with God. We should be real. Because Jesus was real with us when he came and he died for us. They put him in a tomb and three days later he resurrected. Ha, huh, now we don't have to be worried about separation from God for the rest of eternity. If we accept him as our Lord and Savior, if we walk in relationship with him. Let me tell you something. Coming to church on Sunday mornings, that's not going to save you. <laughs> it's not like that. Okay, get out of 
hell free card? Okay, Jesus, let's, let's stamp this for me, right? Like if I show up to 52 Sundays, am I good? No, that's not what it's about. See, when I said church is important earlier, church is important when you want to worship Jesus. Jesus church is not important when you're just like, oh, I got to come sit down, hear what the preacher says, go to lunch, have my day. No, relationship with Jesus saves you. Relationship with Jesus motivates you. 